I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words DraftKings podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, how's it going? Good, good, good. We made our debut on the radio last week. I'm sure people sort of heard that announcement. They've been tuning every week on Golf News Network, so that was very exciting. Um, back there, so yeah, we'll be there every week. Um, not sure on times and stuff yet, so um, I will get that kind of information shortly. And I think there's kind of new schedules and things to be put out, so all the kind of information to come on that. Uh, we hit 200 episodes yesterday as well, so unfortunately, uh, Matt, we're number 201 tonight, which is uh, yeah, just one of those just one of those things, right? That we just, we just missed the boat. Um, but I was thinking, like, we must. How many have we done? Like 30, as a rough guess. We did every every tournament last year, so it has to be at least 30, probably 35. Yeah, I mean, I think did we miss one? Because I remember us like crying because we missed that one. One event. towards the end, yeah, but that's it. So yeah, so pretty impressive. Yeah, it must be it must be in the 30s. So yeah, big big contribution from this show itself um to get that on the ball so 200 episodes in for lost words really good really excited to talk to you matt first uh full field event of 2023 you were making some comments about morikara on twitter um was i oh yeah yeah yeah. about people getting a little bit too excited about him just after you know winning a basically hit and giggle right and i know you sort of said that he's still like I think some people were interpreting that you were basically saying he was going to choke it. You kind of said, no, like, this is a course you shouldn't choke it on. And he did. Um, and that's the second time, right? Like, since he's done it at the Hero as well. Like, two birdie fest resort courses, limited fields, big leads. I think it was five-shot lead at the Hero. He had a seven-shot lead on John Rahm, I think, at one point. Like, nine at one point. Nine. So, John, like... Ryan bogeyed the first. Right. So, was it, like, seven on the back nine or something? Yeah, seven on the back nine. So I mean, that's just wild, right? Like, and, and I think I think the thing like I don't think there's an overarching issue. I just think that like what you were saying was like he's probably still not back to where he was, and like just because he'd spiked with his putter doesn't mean we should get too excited. Like the whole broadcast was about like he'd changed his grip, he'd found his putting stroke, and now he's got his putting strokes and his irons sorted out. He's going to be unbeatable, and it's like well actually no, maybe his irons are not quite back. Like it's the putter covering some things this week. Right. I think it's uh people are just so quick to like it's just kind of a reactionary world we live in. So people were so quick to like I'm see, seeing a lot of victory laps on Friday, Saturday about Morikawa. Then you're seeing people say they, you know, 20 to one to win a major like the numbers really didn't move at all when he was not playing well. So it really wasn't, you know, any good bets on the board. I just said his stats are very average this week. He's getting six strokes putting. So let's all pump the brakes a little bit. Then someone said, do you think he could lose? And I said, I still think he's going to win, but I'm just saying. He's not really playing as well as everyone is acting like he's playing. It's mostly putting. And, yeah, when you gain six strokes putting and you have a pretty good week uh, statistically above average, you're probably going to be up there. And he was. But I wasn't surprised to see him blow it. But, um, yeah. I think, the, I think the thing is, like, one, yes, he did blow it to an extent, obviously, because of the large get, like, lead that he had. But Ram had to play his fucking balls off to, like, to even have a chance to win it. So, like, really and truly, he should have won it just based on the fact that people shouldn't have been able to catch him, right? So, well, like, what did Ram shoot 10 under? Yeah, he did. But, I mean, we were seeing eight, nine unders every single day. Like, if he yeah. just had an average round, he wins by five. Yeah. I mean, those three three bogeys in a row is tough, isn't it? Like, And then one was in the easiest hole in the course. Like, there's so many free birdies out there. He's shooting even par or... You know, he, bur- he birdied the last or whatever, but that's just not, it's just bad. Especially when John Rahm bounces back from a birdie with 
you know four birdies and uh, bogey with four birdies and five holes like it, it yeah. just kind of shows the side of maybe where they are in their games at the moment like I think Morikawa's game wasn't bulletproof to the point that he can bounce back from a mistake but Rahm's obviously is at the moment so maybe just different stages yeah he's uh, he's Rahm's best player in the world so Overreactions, uh, maybe the the story of the week here. Uh, Tom Kim ten five at the Sony Open. Sung JM ten three. Hideki Matsuyama ten one. Jordan Spieth ten. Is Tom Kim like? Do we need to pump the brakes on Tom Kim? I do think so a little bit. Um, it makes sense because the course fit is so good, right? And like, there is like at the moment, there's no evidence that anything's going to go wrong. Like yeah. that, there is nothing that we could actually say. Like, unlike Morikawa, like, okay, he's gaining six throws putting, and that's unusual. Like, there isn't anything you can say about Tom Kim that suggests he's going to fall off, and there's no reason to think that he won't win this week as a, as a favourite and a strong favourite. Three wins in, what would it be, like, nine, ten starts? Like, yeah. that's where, like, it's it suddenly, you know, you talked about it with Fee now before, we talked about it with, like, if Sungjae had turned a couple of those seconds into wins and, and things that are, like... These things are reserved. We saw with Scotty Scheffler, he fell off after a really strong start to the season with really big wins. Like, I know, obviously, he's going from the Wyndham and the Shriners to Sony Open. It's not quite the same as winning a Masters of match play and then falling off. But, like, I just feel like at some point, like, the, the law of averages suggests that he's not going to win this week. And like, I know that favourites have been winning at a higher clip, and I think a lot of that's to do with increased price runs and things like that. But, like... This is just a regular event. It's, it's a week after a bigger, more expensive week. Like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think you can, like, just completely fade him, but I think you can make plenty of lineups without Tom Kim. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, first of all, 17 of the last 18 winners here have played the course before. So I think that's a big thing. Like, course history seems to be important at this place. And you and you know, a lot of young up-and-comers aren't winning this, I think. I saw that only four since the year 2000, four guys yeah. since one. So, like, this is a place where veterans and kind of these guys can win. Um, and it's not a course where I think you should really be backing the favorite, like, because it's so open to any types of, you know, skill set. Guys, you, you don't have to hit it far to win. You, it can turn into a putting contest, which he's capable of winning, but so is 120 other guys. Right, and that's the thing, right? Like, so that, that stat uh, from Kenny Kim that I saw was the, the four winners since 2000 under the uh, been under 30 and the rest have obviously been veteran players like that's huge 17 of the last 24 winners played the tournament champions obviously he ticks that box five of the last eight winners and Sony open a one in the full season ticks that box so he ticks he ticks the two other boxes just not the kind of youthful thing but when I think people were looking at like the recent winners list and thinking that you like the favorites are going to go on to win because of the names that have recently won but when you look at the odds of those players when they won so Hideki was 20 to 1. So, like, yes, he was one of the favourites. Yes, he's one of the best players in the field. Kevin Nile was 80 to 1. Like, because we're used to Kevin Nile having these recent wins in 2019, he'd fallen off coming into this event. He'd obviously found it again and, and you know, won at 80 to 1. Fine. Cameron Smith, this was his first solo victory. He was 55 to 1 for this event. And it was a completely different type of event. Then as well, because like really wind affected. Matt Kuchar was 40 to 1. Patton Gazai, 80 to 1. JT won this the week after winning the tournament champions at 14 to 1. Jimmy Walker won at 18 to 1 a week after losing the playoff, but then he won the year before at 40 to 1. Fabian Gomez, 100 to 1. Russell Henley, PJ Davey, 100 to 1. Like, and he was probably bigger than that 100 to 1, by the way, that Russell Henley number. I, I, that seems on the low side as well. So, yeah. 
you, you look at that and you think, okay, Hideki, Cam Smith, Justin Thomas, Jimmy Walker, Matt Kuchar, you know, like it's the better players in the fields, but it's not based on the numbers. Like even Hideki wasn't the favorite. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it, it's pretty wide open this week. I was on Coup 21 here back in 2019. That was awesome. Um, he played really, really well. And then when Cam Smith won, he lost. He should have. He shouldn't have even won. I mean, Steele kind of blew that one to him in a, in a playoff. Um, and Steele was probably, what, 80 or 60 to one, too. So, I mean, like, I completely agree that it's it's not a place. There's certain places on the schedule where I want to back the favorite. Um, this isn't one of them. I think when you've got, like, but I'd almost say you're better off back in John Rahm or whatever he was last week, seven eight to one, than to bet Sung Jae, uh, to bet Tom Kim at like ten twelve to one in this. Like I just, I just think just for the fact that you're adding in another eighty players, you know, most of them are, are pretty irrelevant or whatever. But yeah, it's just, it's just tough. Like I can't really take a short price favorite in this one. Like if it was, if it was someone who had won the tournament of champions, it was like if Morikawa was coming in this week and and it felt like he didn't blow it, he just got caught or whatever. Like you'd probably say, okay, him at twelve to one, fine. But like when it's the guys that you know, Tom Kim was, he wasn't there, but he's exerted so much effort putting in twenty three under. Like tough. But I, I think I guess the only benefit is that he wasn't right in the hunt. Like if he was contending last week, I'd be even more standoffish from him. Yeah, twelve to one is a real favorite in this huge field and the considering every, it, it's it's like a it's a s- steep number there and he yeah i don't i, I would be non non whatsoever in the 12th one I, I i would i thought we might see like the odd start with like him and sungjae at 16 or something like that makes a lot more sense to me 12 is just a lot the 10 fives a lot but, but the thing is everyone was just on him like before like as soon as the field was announced and he was the guy like, everyone was on him and like it, i get it like there's nothing i don't disagree with anyone that's saying he could win this like like i have no I have nothing to go against it. I just think that the numbers getting too short. The numbers getting too short on Sung Jim now. He's twelve to one. Spieth sixteen to one. Brian Harmon eighteen to one. I think everything's getting a little bit too short. Um, but back to DFS, ten k and above. Who's the guy? Uh, I, I might fade this range entirely. As long I don't as like. Long. I don't like it. Like I was no. putting. I was putting team like lineups together earlier, and I was like, I don't need these guys. Like. I suppose you probably want one. But, and then the other thing I was having, whereas I didn't need to go down to the 6K range because I was so balanced, so I could actually just wedge one of these Tom Kims or some James in. Like, is Hideki back? No, not right. His stats weren't good last week. Uh, Spieth went off the boil after a good start. Yeah, I don't think you need to play any of these guys. And I probably won't. Like, Because Tom, even though he's the most expensive guy, he's he's also going to be the most popular guy. Yeah. On the entire slate. So like I don't see any reason to play him. If he wins and he beats me, so be it. Sung Jay can make a better case because he'll be probably about five percent less owned than Tom, but his course history is nothing special either. And like I d I don't know, it's, it's expensive for both of them. I I'm probably gonna skip this whole round this whole range and go balanced. Do you think there's anything in the fact that the rough's half an inch longer this year? I hope so. If it um, is, then I guess that boosts Sung JM's case. Yeah, it definitely would. Um, yeah, I hope so. But here's another thing, too, is like you, they're going to be taking a lot of irons off the tee here. So, uh, you know, all these dog legs and stuff, you can't really overpower the course. So everyone's going to basically lay up and they're all going to have the same distance in. So it's like, who's the best player from 130 and in? And well, obviously it's, those- it's like why there's there's no different. Like you think birdie fest and par fives would be important. There's two par fives and you don't need to be the best par five scorer to, to win here. Like it's par threes and par fours are important. Yeah. So I, I yeah I, I'm probably laying off this range. I really if they beat me they beat me, but I 
I kind of have a feeling they won't. So I'm guessing the 9K range is the most important. Like you, you, your winner's probably got to come from here. Um, yeah. So, I, like, I was really hot on Tom Hoagie until, like, I thought about the travel to, like, the, the National Championship game. Then I thought, does it really matter? Then they get blown out. He's probably not on the beers celebrating. So he's back in, probably back in Hawaii shortly. Like, I think he said he was getting a flight out straight away Tuesday morning. So does that travel bother you? The travel, I mean, that's something I'd probably ignore, but it might might mean something. I know he likes to get after a little bit, but... Um, no gambling in California. Yeah, but for him, for me, it's just like, it's not even about any of that. It's just about, I can't get the guy right. And he seems, a lot of times, at times, like RSM, you think he's going to be so good, and then he isn't good. Like, I can't get him right. Well, his career here, third and 12th against four missed cuts, kind of sums him up. Like, you you would think these are a great spot for him after finishing third, misses a cut, then he finishes 12th, think, okay, great spot for him again, misses two cuts. Like, that is probably Tom Hogan in a nutshell. My only kind of thinking with him is this is the first time he's coming to this event having played the tournament champions and kind of got that rust away. Like, that's why I was so high on him. Like, there's him, uh, Adam Spence, and a couple of other guys that, like, playing here for the first time after playing the tournament champions, where I think that could be a huge benefit. Yeah, he gained 10.2 strokes on approach last year. Yeah, week. he was ridiculous on approach. Like, I don't know where that, like, like that's wild on the course. So I, I think, and that's been, like, sustainably, he's been good with approach as well for a, a decent period of time again. Like, I think he's, like, like stati- if you're just looking statistically and don't take any of those factors out in terms of travel to the you know, National Championship game and whatever, like, he's probably the best, like, pick. Yeah, he is. He, uh... He fits exactly what you want someone to do here. He puts a little better on Bermuda. He's been lights out with the irons. Um, I can't get him right. I don't necessarily trust him. So he's not going to be for me, but there's it, a reason why he's really popular, and it, it totally makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I'm struggling to get away from him. Do you – how do you get different in this range than the 9K range? So I kind of have a little strategy that I'm going to be doing. I'm, I just think these guys are similar. Like, I'm going to be playing Billy Horschel. He's going to be really underowned, um, like, and I think he has just as good a chance, if not better chance. Look at the guys around him: Connors, Harmon, Henley, Bradley. Like, I think he's a higher caliber player than all of them, and he's at either half or one third of the ownership of those guys. Um, he's played well at all these corollary events that you want to, like, you know, the Wyndham and all the other places that you kind of are similar to this place. Um, he had a really bad Thursday, but he shot minus nine on on saturday and minus four on sunday and he's so. and, he, and he sucks at the tournament champions anyway like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't, it's irrelevant like it's not a good course for him not a good event for him he's never done well there like i think i find it hard to know where his game is because he kind of took that little break he played the dunhill links in on the dp world tour finished 10th had a little break and played the cj cup finished seventh which was a good result then played by COVID, didn't play well when i expected him to and then has not played again since the tournament champions until the tournament champions. like it's really hard to know where he is with his game, but like, like on the face of it, he's much better than most of this field. Like, there's probably four players better than him. Yep. So it would be it would go against the kind of course history of what he's done. But even again, like I've looked at some of these numbers, like he opened 65, 67 last year and was 16th. Like it's just tough. And like then you have to kind of put your foot down and try and make some birdies, and you can probably get into some weird positions and, and lose out. And he finishes 36th. Like, but. 65, 67, 67 on the week would generally spell, a, you know, a good a good week. And even the year before, like he did virtually the same sort of thing, like 265, 266 is to finish seventh. Like 
you just you need that one kind of 62 63 here to kind of get you over the edge but that can happen any time for someone like Billy Horshaw I think yeah he's a great putter like the seven two years ago it shows me at least he like tournament champions he's really done nothing so and then this week now is the place where he has shown it a couple you know a couple of times especially that seven two years ago and he gained, I think, eight strokes putting here that year. So I think he likes the greens. So anyone get a hot putter at him. And I just look at the ownership. He's getting a huge break on the ownership. Or you're getting a break on the price. Like, I don't even mind starting my lineups. I like Connors a lot, too, and he's going to be popular. So I think pairing those two guys together is a way to get me off the kind of conventional build. Well, because Hoagie, Henley, Harmon, and Connors are all going to be popular, right? Like They all are popular yeah. for good reasons. Like, I'm not going to sit here and, and make it like, I don't need to waste 10 minutes telling you why they're good. Like, they're all very good. And they all just, like, Henley's course form is great. Should have won here twice. Harmon is playing some of the best golf of his career right now. He's on fire. Fits the golf course. Corey Connors is spiked um, with putting at this event. Like, I think his two best ever putting events have been here or something like that. So, like, he's pretty wild. Um and then you kind of got Keegan, McNeely and Montgomery. Like, I'm going to be off on Montgomery. Like, I just, I know that, like, his putting is his strength and that's a great thing for this event. But he hasn't played the course. He's that kind of young and up cover that doesn't kind of fit the profile of a winner here. Yeah. Bradley is fine. Like, I I think if you want to put Bradley into to maybe get a little bit different, I'm, I'm okay with that. Nothing really to kind of suggest why. And then I'm off McNeely. I, I don't really have any interest in McNeely. Yeah. Bradley was pretty bad last week, uh, really bad putting. Um, I think he had a good putting year last year, which is strange for him. I think he's probably going to see some regression with the putter this year. Uh, approach wasn't really good. You'd like to see at least the approach numbers there for Keegan when he's looking like he's about to win. Um, so, yeah, he usually c- kind of flashes some form. I'm I'm off of him. I'm off of McNeely. I'm off of Montgomery. Um, I don't like the fit for KH Lee going right down the list. And I think, oh, yeah, we're, we're not there yet, but um, – Bottom of the nine case, I'm not going to play. For me, it's it's Connors and Horschel. Yeah, no, I, and I know why you stopped there because I, I noticed you, you kind of like Adam Scott this week, and we've kind of discussed already. Like we, we think this could be a big year for Adam Scott. We think him having um, Stevie on the bag is, is going to be a huge uh, instance, and so, especially in the majors and things like that. Does he need to come out and have a good week at these kind of events to kind of get his season rolling? Yeah, I think he does. Look at what he did over the fall. Like he played in that Australia Open. He played pretty well. Um, I think he's like kind of making a point to have a good season. He's still only 40. I think people act like he's like 45 or 46. Yeah. 40 pretty young when it comes to, you know, your prime of golf. He's a little bit on the side of it, but he's still, you know, right there. And I like the fact that he had that playoff loss at the Wyndham a couple of years uh, in 2021. Like, to me, that shows that he's kind of playing this style of golf more often now at this stage in his career. I think it comes back to kind of the conversation we had there, like, back in the day like his driving of long and straight was like different to everybody else until the modern technology came in and kind of stripped that away from him and now he's adjusted to like actually you know i'm a fucking brilliant iron player and wedge player in my day like let's get that fired up like i think ultimately like yeah like i think creativity is his best like and i think ultimately like when he goes to riviera or, or the open championship or augusta obviously like that's where he's going to excel because like he's just got those bags of experience but like, there's no reason, like he did at the Wyndham, where he can't just get hot for a week. I completely agree. He's he's looking like he's going to be the lowest-owned player from 8,000 and up. Um, nobody's playing him. So if I that, shouldn't, that it, shouldn't be right, by the way. Like, that's a list that includes Andrew Putnam, Christian Bazooin, now Siwoo Kim. Like, I like JJ Spawn, and I like the other guy that I've skipped for, for a reason. But, like, that seems wild. 
Yeah, and it's, it looks like it's really going to be the case. Like, guys are playing Cam Davis, Vaughn, Mitchell, Kim, Sebez, Putnam, Grillo. All those guys are going to play. Nobody's playing Adam Scott. I think it's kind of a really sneaky spot. Almost reminds me of the spot of Hideki last year. Like, everyone's like, oh, is Adam Scott really going to win a birdie fest at the Sony? Like, yeah. everyone's saying the same thing about Hideki. And, like, he's just a better player, especially with the outright number, like the 35-40s that I saw out there. And compared to everyone around him, I'm just taking the talent. He's a, he's a better player. I feel the same way about DFS this week. He's too cheap, and he's completely unowned at a too cheap price. So I'm just going to go Billy, Adam Scott, Connors, and, like, my lineup is completely unique, and I think I have three of the better players in the field. Yeah, I think I think Connors is, is definitely better than people give him credit for. He's got this kind of profile if he doesn't win, but, like, that will just turn around eventually. Like, he, you know, he's got to sort out a couple of kinks, and that's it. Like, his driving is, you know, brilliant. And maybe that's a bit negated here, but, you know, it's still an asset. Keith Mitchell, I love. I do really love Keith Mitchell. Like, I think that he's due, like, a little bit of a breakout. Like, he played really well last year without really getting anything out of it. Uh, 57th in the world right now, needs to get to the top 50. He's played here five times, four made cuts, finished seventh. And, like, when he, like, 16th in 2019, but he was actually third going into the final round. And I think he had to shoot, like, seven under to beat Kucha that day. But, and that's why he fell away. Like, I think he just went too aggressive for it. But even, like, 2021, he shot 62 to 63 here. Like it was only because he opened with a 71 that he was basically out of it before he even started. Um, so there's definitely things with Mitchell where he struggles to put four rounds together in, in every event, and that's definitely been the case here. But I think he can get hot. We know he can play Bermuda. Um, so, yeah, I like Keith Mitchell. Yeah, his course history is great. Um, seventh last year, 14th, miscut in 16th in his past four. And and like that like there's spike rounds in there that like he just has one bad round like a 71 or six it's not even a bad round it's just like you can't do it at this event you can't drop off and it, that's just, just what's happened. He hits it far, but it's he's most of his great performances are on shorter courses. Yeah, like a lot I, of it makes yeah it makes a lot of sense. I think people just view him in like the Wyndham Clark thing of like he just bashes it gets it close and gets hot on the passer, but he doesn't like he I think he's a bit more than that like I think he's a little bit wrongly viewed I think. Yeah, didn't play last week. That's one of the things. No, so that is that. But then when I looked at it, like you think about it, um, Russell Henley hadn't played at the tournament champions last year. Like yeah. Chris Kirk, maybe even Wacky Neiman hadn't played the year. Like Nar won. Brendan Steele hadn't played the year. Cameron Smith won. Like like you said, like like it can as much as I think it's important to point out these trends. Like James Hahn could have won in 2018. Like, I don't know, yeah, if he, but like it can change so quickly. You can't put all your eggs in that basket. I completely agree with that. It is definitely in the, like I completely absolutely accept that it's definitely an advantage to play the week before because you're in Hawaii, you've got used to the trade winds, you're not traveling as far, you've played golf much more recently, like competitive golf much more recently than everyone else. And for the fact that I think you go from like I've got to beat 37 of the most elite players in the world, 38 of the most elite players in the world, to I've got to beat five elite players and a bunch of scrubs, like the mindset just kind of changes, right? So yeah. I think there's definitely something to it, um, but I wouldn't get I wouldn't let it put me off people. I'd use it as probably a, like, I can't think of the word, but like I'd use it as a tiebreaker, right? Yeah. Like, and there's not going to be many of them because there's what, like 19 players that have come over from last week. So if you, if you definitely just limited yourself to people that have played recently or won recently, you're, you're pretty stuck. (laughs) Like you're not making a lot. Um, High sevens. Kurt Kitsiyama. Yeah. I've been hearing that name a lot. Um, I like him a little at tougher courses. That's about the only thing. Yeah, like I think his driving is like 
important and I think that's negated here so like he missed the cut in his debut I just think that talent wise and just confidence wise this time around I think he could just find himself up the leaderboard um just out of like pure like skill level um Ben Coley came on the podcast yesterday and talked about Harris English like do you like Harris English still? I do like Harris English a little bit I think if it's like if he really is gonna have a bounce back year this is obviously one of those places where he he should do well his course history is really good um and it's a perfect kind of Paris English type of course. So I definitely will take a flyer on him. I could I could play a little bit of English uh, as well, yeah. We've been talking about him for a little while, right? Like not to kind of like just take credit for it, but like we've, we've been saying, we've been trying to spot start him in, in certain places like Mike Over and things, thinking he's going to come back. And he's playing those kind of low rounds and not kind of finishing the week. And that's kind of like what we like to see about players. Like he's had three, four weeks to go and work on his game now, like assuming he's actually done that. So um Depends what kind of state he's in, I guess, after the Georgia win last night. Now you say it, I'm kind of thinking maybe even a first-round leader for him because he does flash those really, really good rounds at these places, but just can't put four together. Yeah, I, and I think like it's it's injury-related that he's not four rounds together. Like I think he still doesn't trust maybe the swing he's had to rebuild since the injury. But like, um, I, I definitely think he can come back. Are you going back to Cooch at all? Um, I I was so I was thinking about this this week, and I was like. Basically, if people are playing him, I'm not going to play him. If people aren't playing him, I will. Because uh, last year he wasn't good and he still finished seventh. Missed the cut the year before when he actually wasn't playing as bad. So, like, you know, but it looks like people aren't really going to be playing him. I think it's a fair price. I think he could play well. I think I question what his ceiling is anymore. But at 7,900, he can definitely come in ninth place. Like, what's it? you got it's like a third, a first, a third, two fifths, a seventh, and eighth. Like, it's, yeah. it's pretty wild. Like, yeah. It's tough. But then, like, his his recent results are, like, first, miscut, miscut, seven. Like, it's 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 really, you don't know what you're going to get with him. But, like, I don't know. It's it's not the Matt Kuchar of old, but I still think he's capable of, of scoring low on these kind of tests. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. He missed the cut at the RSM, which you don't like to see. Yeah. His his ceiling has just been so whatever uh, shortened for whatever reason. Like, in April, he was second at Valero and then third at the Heritage. So you kind of think he's back. But since then, he really hasn't done anything. And he's had some chances at courses that you might think he'd go well at. Well, Fortinet, he was 12th, but RSM missed the cut. Um, Mayakoba, 27th, where he won before. I think he's fairly safe. Yeah, I think he gets you through the cut. And then, like, you just got to yeah. hope he gets high over the weekend. Alex Smalley's a name that's been posted about it. I like Alex Smalley long term, but I don't like him this week. I agree. Not for me. And then I come to, I really like Mackenzie Hughes. Yeah, and he, fits, like, he fits all the trends, right? And one, he fits all the trends. Like he's won in the fall. He's played the tournament of champions. He's kind of in the age bracket that you like to see. And like, we, I think we've had this kind of discussion with Mackenzie Hughes before. Like, you think these are the perfect courses for him, and then he doesn't play well here and plays well at like a U.S. Open style Tory Pines. Like, yeah, it, that is the the kind of trouble with him. And like we said, it with kind of like Zach Johnson and things in the past, like very similar type players. But he's got a 19th and a 27th here. On the 19th, he opened with a 65 to sit 10th and then closed with a 65 and a 66. And then when he was 27th, he posted a 65 to start and then three rounds of 68. So, like, as much as he hasn't been brilliant here, like, he can still... Like, there's no reason those 65s couldn't have been 63s. Like, it's a case of making some putts, and we know he can do that. Um, he's obviously won the Sanderson, as I already said, 23rd at Zozo, 16th at Houston, and then 21st last week. But what I liked, when he was 16th at Houston... Uh, he opened with 66 to sit fourth after day one, two more rounds of 68, a really tough course to to sit eighth going into the final round and just 
lost it on the final day. And even last week, 66 to open, sat fifth, and then close of a 65, like on a course that shouldn't really suit him. A bit like like Billy, like Billy shooting a 64 on Saturday at Kapalua is great because he shouldn't do. Uh, like history suggests he wouldn't, and the kind of course layout suggests that Mackenzie Hughes shouldn't play well there, but he did. So I take that as a as a lot of like positives, and he's just playing good golf right now, and I think he's really safe at 7,500. I do too. That him and Spenson, kind of same thing for me. They both fit all those trends. They both won in the fall. They both, you know, played last week. They're both playing really well. So those make sense. The one guy for me who like I keep going back to when I'm thinking about making my lineups, it's gonna be a little different, but is Gary Woodland. Um it's not who I thought you were gonna say, so I'm glad, I'm glad it wasn't who I thought you were gonna say. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty predictable, so I'm glad I, I at least I can throw you off. <laughs> I, I was I was thinking you were gonna say Webb Simpson then. I was getting a little bit No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, Woodland's interesting, right? Like Ninth at the Houston Open last time out, last time we've seen him. Um, the idea is that Gary Woodland shouldn't play well here because his, his biggest like strength is negated, but third, 13th, 6th, and 7th. But he's great in the, when you have to club down, he always plays well. Yeah, it's, it's that same thing, like DJ plays well when he clubs down. Yeah, so like, yeah, I mean, 80th in 2019, which isn't good, but 7th, 6th, 13th, 3rd. Uh, he just switched, uh, I just wrote a story about this, he switched from Wilson to... Um, what did he switch to? Cobra, I think. Um, so Will, he made a bit... hit, hitting Wilson drivers can't help. No, I mean maybe that maybe that kind of gives him a little kick in the ass. Um, and I just think he's I mean he's got to have a back bounce back year, right? Yeah, I think so. I think like there's I think he's in like that same category of like maybe a Harris English. Like Harris English obviously got the Ryder Cup team, but like Woodland's won a major. Like that like we're talking about players that. We know their their absolute ceiling is like major contention, major winning, playing in these elite fields, and their floor is unpredictable, which is why they're they're kind of priced like this. Like we don't know that Woodland doesn't just come here and miss the cut, and you just see it as a name to seven six hundred and play him. But there's risk reward to him definitely. Like I would definitely take a chance on him over like a Will Gordon who faces the same issues but is going to be more popular because he's like a hot name right now. Yeah, Woodland is a, another guy I think could be a first-round leader. Him and Harris English, I, I kind of – I'm making my card as we're, as we're thinking here. Um, but I, I like Woodland. I'm, I'm thinking what he's betting him if I got like a 60-65. It wouldn't shock me whatsoever if he came out here and played well or won. Yeah, I think he'd play well. I don't think he wins, but like I, I definitely think he plays well. Like I think he's one of those ones where like he need, like once he gets into contention and shows something, then I think he can play well the following week and win. But like I think sometimes he gets into contention and hasn't done it for a while and kind of shits a bit a bit. Um, but where was it when he did that? Was that it? It was like that was oh, like no, two, yeah, like two years ago, wasn't it? Like he was he was right back in the mix after that kind of weird back injury that he had or whatever it was. He like sprayed a bunker shot, like way yeah, like that's what worries me, and I just don't know if it holds up. But like he doesn't need to win, like that's that's the main thing, right? Yeah. Um, so you spent some point, like I like him for all the same reasons I like um, Mackenzie Hughes, like one in the fall, one at RSM, which is a lot of correlation that we like to see. Um, Played okay at Tournament Champions other than a really cold putter. I think he lost like eight strokes or something on the greens. Like, that's never going to get it done. Um, and just the fact that this, again, like Tom Hoagie, first time he's playing here since the first time he's playing here the week after the Tournament Champions, which I think could be a really big deal for him. Like, he finished 43rd on debut like four years ago, but he opened for 61's lead after round one. Came back last year when he was kind of a little bit of a better player. Finished 7th, 64, 64, 67, 65, 67. Like, he was inside the top 10 all week. He was third going into the final round. 
better place now after that win to really contend. So I think that Mackenzie Hughes and, and Svensson and Oda's probably going to be a little bit of popularity to that, but you're taking care of yourself at the top with kind of like Billy Horshaw and things. Like, I think that's a great little way to kind of almost end your card. Yeah. Ben um, Griffin, I'm going to skip. There's too much hype. Yeah, I, I like the fit, but like, yeah, I, I'll just wait until it dies down a little bit. Um, do we just go back to Brendan Steele? Because what we know he does here. Well, I was going to say, you got three course history guys all right in a row. All won't be very popular. Like you got Steele, Kazire, and Knox, 73, 73, 72. Those three guys have probably the three best course histories, probably three of the top seven course histories uh, of anyone in the field. Yeah, so still. Like I've extended this way back further, but he's he's up there. Kaziah's like top ten in terms of course form. The thing I liked about Kaziah was he finished tenth in Mike over, and yeah. like it like he's been so shit for such a long time, which is why he's down here. But the fact that he then showed a bit of form in Mike over, then followed it up at the RSM. Like I think I backed him at RSM based on what he done at Mike over it feels like he's now playing well at the courses that he should do. Because he's just a limited golfer, right? Like, people will look at it and go, like, he didn't play well at the Shriners. He's not going to play well at the Shriners. That's not what Pat and Kazai does. He's not going to play well at these long golf courses. But these kind of resort, short golf courses, he's going to play well at. I think I think Kazai is probably the better of the three. I think so, too. Uh, he, he, I think he's he gains the most uh, strokes putting per round here of anybody. That would make sense. Like, I imagine he must have gained a ton. Um, I know the the week he won, he finished 48th in par 5 performance and still won. Like, he just lights out on, like, I think he, like, led both par 3 and par 4. Like, he was just... Yeah. Free. I think the putting here goes at uh, uh, Henley, or Kazire, Henley, uh, Connors is fifth. I don't remember the rest, but those guys just putt really, really well here. Robbie Shelton and Davis Thompson are kind of those popular young guns in the in the 7K range that are going to get some type. Yeah, not for me. I'm, I'd rather play Kazire and Steel. Are we done with the 7Ks? Yeah. Uh, no. No. My last one, um, Ches Revy. <laughs> I bet him. Uh, I, I, I said bet him at 301 on DraftKings, and everyone said he started tanking down to like 180 or whatever. So um, I eventually bet it at like 170 or something. But for me, it's just. There's very few places he can contend on tour just right now. He hasn't been playing well, but it's a new season. I'm not going to really look at the fall or last end of last year. Like, it's a fresh start. Played last week. He had a couple good rounds last week. I think he closed with a six under Sunday. Um, and this is one of those places he can he can play, he can contend. Like, his skill set fits here. Uh, fits every trend. And he's, like, triple the odds of a lot of guys who I think he's can be just as good at as when he's, you know, playing well. Um and the last time we saw him win was the Travelers. He kind of outdueled Keegan Bradley there, but same type of guy. Like I, I just think if he goes well, he could he could win here. I'm gonna take a chance at seven thousand. Yeah, I don't think he's scared to win. Like right, I think that's the, the no. main takeaway from that. Was there was a little period like he won the Barracuda, right? And I think that he started finishing like 49th, 47th, 50th, but he was still playing well. Like I think I backed him at FedEx and Jude because he was such a ridiculous number in a small field, and he'd obviously had previous there. But it was like he was. Like I think he like played like it looks like he's played poorly since the win, but he was still having reasonably decent flash rounds, and I think that's something to keep an eye on with these players. Like, yes, he's going to go off the boil a little bit when he wins because Chesri he doesn't win very often. He probably celebrates it a little bit. He probably relaxes a little bit knowing that his cards locked up or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's there's something to him. Like, I it's one of those ones where like you kind of have a bunch of confidence in it, but like 
at 7k there's not really much confidence full stop in this field and he has a, he has some good finishes here he was third in 2019 uh gained 8.2 strokes in approach that week he was 18th in 2018 gained 8.1 strokes in approach he was eighth in 2017 gained eight strokes on approach like he likes the course a lot someone i was thinking about in the same sort of ilk that's scott piercy i like him too yeah like he, he's playing a little bit like better again now um 32nd at the mic over 16th in houston 19th not sure about sanderson farms and he's played some decent stuff at his golf course as well. So I know we're dipping into kind of 6,800 range now, but I think that's kind of all in the same range now, I think. Yeah, and he's, there's just a, seems like a prototypical Scott Piercy place, like this coastal resort course is when he really plays well, Bermuda, all these places like that. You're, it's up my alley now, 41, 42-year-old guy who nobody really likes, nobody wants to play. He sucks no, definitely <laughs> no one likes him. He's one of those people that like hasn't gone to live and people still hate him. Um, yeah. He's been 12th here. He's been uh, second here in the past. He's been 15th, 23rd. Like, obviously, the second is, is the standout result. But, like, even in the weeks where he's finished 23rd, 15th, or whatever, like, he's he's been the third, he's been second at the 36th hole stage, been eighth for the 54 hole stage. But I like to see that. And it's just one of those ones where, like, he's basically made the cut almost every time he's played here. I think he's missed two out of, like, ten. Um, that's hard to do in, like, a typical putting contest. Like, I know players do do it, but... Just seeing these numbers and it's like 13, 57, 23, 33, 45th. You're like, oh, no, he's not good enough. But like, look into them deeper. Look at the solo rounds. Like, I think he's a decent player, Scott Piercy. Yeah. And you I, didn't, think- I didn't plan to come into this podcast thinking that Scott Piercy was a good player either. Like, this is why we've been talking about it. It's a good play. I mean, I think everyone's going to play Davis Thompson and Robbie Shelton and these young up-and-comers. I'm going to play Chez Revy and Scott Piercy, and I'll lose probably four out of five weeks. But the one week when I win, I'll be in the hunt to win a GPP. That's how, the way I think of it. Is David Lingmurth got any popularity at all down here? David Lingmurth. Maybe um, you probably weren't prepared to talk about either. I saw him... Uh, pop up in birdie or better percentage now looks like no one's really playing him this this is great to, to me right so he's finished he's got a, two miscuts here but he's got 31st a 13th and a 49th as well when he was 13th he opened with 65 close with a 64 um when he was 49th he basically just had four rounds sub 70 but just didn't really get anything going but his like his current form is pretty good like he won on the corn ferry back in august then he finished 11th at the bermuda he finished eighth uh, in Mexico, which we love to see, 265s and 66. He was 10th last time out of the RSM Classic. To me, like, he's playing some really good golf again. And we, the upside of David Lingmurf is ridiculous. Like, I know he's not going to be that player anymore because he's, like, this diminutive, like, four foot ten golfer that doesn't hit it very far. But, like, he's, he's basically, he's nearly won two career builders or, like, Amex, whatever they're called now. Um, he did beat Justin Rose in the playoffs to win the Memorial. Like, I don't think you should hold him to that standard because he's not that standard. But, like, he's decent. And this is not a tough event. Yeah, a lot of people are probably saving him for next week, right? Yeah, I mean, just, just play him, like, now. Yeah. Just get, get him in. Like, I don't see any... Like, I think he's a good... Like, he's 200 to 1. He's a good bet. Like, you're getting 200 to 1 about a golfer that's finished 11th, 11th, 8th and 10th to finish the season. And has won on the corn ferry not that long ago. Like... His stuff is injury-related as to why he's been struggling. It's not just he's no good at golf anymore, which is, you know, what you can say about most of this field. Like, 
he's just been injured and now he's back. He's only 35. Like he's a limited yeah. golfer, but limited that can play well here. Yeah, I like it. So it's Piercy and Lingworth are kind of my guys in 6K range. I don't think you need to spend a ton of time down here. I know you've got a couple of guys that you'll want to talk about. Uh, one of them is quite exciting reading your post uh, from Japan. But um, yeah, give us give us your favourites from the 6K range. Yeah, so I'll start with him with uh, Taiga Semikawa, who I kind of I wrote him up this week. Uh, there was a bridge, I think there was like a 400 to one out there, and um, 6600. But what he's been doing lately is like unbelievable. He's won three events in his like this season, um, or like kind of it's been the wraparound season, but he's won three events, two of them are professional events. Uh, one was the Japan Open, which to them is a it's a major over there. Adam yeah, Adam Scott plays in it, and he won it as an amateur. He was the only amateur ever to win the event. Uh, he just recently turned pro. I think he's played at one one event as a pro now. But um, 21 years old. He's named after Tiger Woods. Uh, he's winning like you know he he drives it really far, which might not be the right fit for him here. But you don't know how many PJ Tour events you're going to see him in. He's looking at less than one percent owned right now. Um, so I think hey, if he, he's going to tee it up this week, I'm going to give him a shot. Yeah, and I think like there's another guy like on that tour that's gone to VPL tour in Raya Hisatun. Like there's a couple of really good like Japanese players coming through at like that young age, which we always see, like we see with like Ishikawa and you know, people like that. Like it like Asian golf is just ridiculous for young stars, right? Um, but yeah, I think I feel like it's been missed a little bit. Like that that's a win. He's basically won on the the challenge tour equivalent in Japan and then gone back to back winning um at the top level. And that that win, like Kazuki Higa's a good player. He beat, like, directly. Takumi is a good player. Chan Kim was sick. Adam Scott was sick. Like, that's no joke. Satoshi Kodaira, 12th. Scott Vincent, 18th. Like, these are guys that we were seeing in, like, regular PJ Tour events, WGC events, like, majors. Um, and he's just kind of beat them all at he's had 20 years of age. Yeah, I was uh, talking to Joy, um, who, covers the, who covers Asian golf, and he was saying... Like I was, I always ask about Nakajima because I like to keep tabs on these young guys. And he was saying everyone's talking about Taiga this week, not not Nakajima. And he said people in Asia consider that Japan Open the hardest test there is, including the U.S. Open. They said it's harder than the U.S. Open, uh, the way they look at it. So huge. I mean, imagine an amateur winning the U.S. Open in America. That's basically what it was. And that's the thing. Like I don't think. But they set up their golf courses like major championships. Like, it's literally called a Japan major. It's not just a regular event that they make yeah. out. Like, it's not like the Australian Open where they say this is just a big event for Australians. Like, that is a major to them. Like, it's the biggest thing you can win um, yeah. until he gets into actual majors. So, you know, again, we, we've seen people, like, that have won it that have never amounted to anything. But, like, Chan Kim, is, like, everyone's going to be talking about him as, like, a favourite in the Corn Ferry every week at the moment. Like, Sean Norris is playing in big events. He won it the year before. Um Hideki didn't win it as an amateur. He won it in 2016. Like it, it's taken him a while for Hideki to win that event. Like that should say something, I guess. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I think it's a big, it's a big deal, and people might not be able to realize it yet. So I'm going to try to play him before kind of people catch on. I guess it's probably going to be the same outcome as like Nakajima, where we think we get already excited about it, and then he finishes like 40th. But like, he's already popping so much more than Nakajima, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like maybe just Nakajima was like the smokescreen for this guy. Yeah, yeah. Net, seems like net, it. Netflix got the wrong guy. But Nakajima yeah. was like fifth at the 36 hole stage last year, wasn't he? And then just faded yeah. away. So yeah, I, I like it. I think that's a that's a great shout. Um, Cole Hammer needs a top 15 here to get special temporary membership. Don't know if that would mean anything whether it'll you know boost his performance, but wouldn't necessarily yeah, yeah. think it's a great course for him. But 
you know, like he's playing well. Um, and then it just it's just a bunch of nobodies down here, right? Like if you want to take chances on people like Harris and, and Endicott and people like that, then fine. But you just don't need to. No, you don't. Do you think that's it? Yeah, yeah. For me, I think all good. Cool. Let's go with our favorite play above 10k. Uh, I, I I'm not gonna play anyone. No one. Literally complete faith. Yeah, I'm not playing any 10ks. Interesting. I will go with Sung JM just because I think you'll get a little bit of a discount on Tom Kim, and I don't think there's as much in it as people are projecting. 9ks. I'm gonna go two since I skipped 10k. I'm gonna go Connors and Horschel. I think it's a good combo too to to get some get rid of some ownership. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'll go with Hoagie just because I think people are gonna galaxy to brain themselves a little bit about the national championship thing. Hopefully, um, and I don't think it really matters. Uh, okay. I'm gonna go Adam Scott. I'm gonna go with Keith Mitchell. I know he's popular, but that's just a guy I like in that spot. 7k range. I guess you can have two in here. It's quite a big range. Uh, I'll go with Woodland at 76, yeah. and I'll probably play Harris English too at 78. I'm just going to go with the um, Canadian duo of Mackenzie Hughes and Adam Swenson, like people that have read some of my stuff or heard the other betting podcasts are not really surprised, but I just don't want to get away from two people I think have got a great chance to actually contend and win. So, um, Ches Reeve, I guess you're chucking in there as, as like the top 6K guy bottoms. Yeah, that'll get my high end. Yeah, high 6K. Then just give us one one or two more from the 6K range. I'm going to go just uh, only one. I got the, the Japanese Tiger Woods there at 6,600. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to go with Scott Piercy at 68 and David Lingworth at 67. I mean, what a start to the year that we're talking about, like Scott Piercy, Harris English and David Lingworth. Yeah, hey, I love it. Better than talking about 38 guys at the TOC. Yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm happy with it. Um, you know, it's exciting to see where people are at. I think we learn. I think the thing I love about Sony, like, is, is you know, casual viewing. It's nice to watch, nice scenery. And then you get to figure out where people are with their game. It's, it's a good start. Yeah, let's get the season going. Matt, thank you as everybody. We'll catch up soon.